0: We'll hand-select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 114 with the guy who has changed over 2 billion lives through his work with Facebook. Andrew Bosworth is the inventor of Facebook's newsfeed feature, was the company's director of advertising, and later served as vice president of augmented and virtual reality. Today, he's Meta's chief technology officer, one of the most influential executives in one of the most successful and powerful companies in the world. Bos's own Facebook profile still shows that he used to sell knives. Yes, he was a Cutco rep and assistant manager in Vector's San Jose office for two summers while he was a student at Harvard. In these short snippets, Boz explains two key lessons from his Cutco Vector experience that he has applied to his life and career since those days. He shares the inspiring story of how he got started with Facebook, and he gets into some of what excites him about the future of technology. These snippets conclude with two great pieces of advice that Boz has for up-and-coming leaders. Here at Cutco Vector Marketing, we are extremely proud of the amazing network of alumni who are changing lives throughout the world through their work and their influence. I'm also personally grateful that leaders like Andrew Bosworth fondly look back on their Cutco selling experience and that so many of these great leaders are still supportive members of the Cutco Vector family to this day. What we do in this company goes far beyond selling knives, and that's the point of this podcast. Please help spread the word about this great place to work by sharing this episode with others today. CLSK is available for free on just about all podcast players. All episodes, guest bios, and show notes can also be found at changinglivespodcast.com, and you can support our sponsors by clicking on the link marked Deals. Enjoy this flashback segment with Andrew Bosworth. And for our full conversation, you can revisit episode number 114. I'd like to hear about your cut experience, Bos. And I think people would love to hear what you remember from that and the lessons. So it was summer of 2001. And uh, do you remember about how you got started and some of your early experiences? Yeah,
1: I do. I, I really enjoyed the work. I, you know, I think uh, I found. A pretty good amount of success with it. But you know, as well as I do, a lot of that's the region that you're working and, and the team that you're working with. And I, I was lucky because I had you uh, and uh, man, Chris, and uh, we had a good team of senior people uh, who put a good education program together. Uh, what I found most fascinating, I've, I've told a lot of people this actually, was, you know, in a, in a sales job, you just couldn't believe how much the correlation, the one-to-one correlation between your internal attitude and your external results was it was just uncanny. If I was having a bad day, or if I was down, sales were down. And if I was upbeat, and I felt good, sales were up. And I'm being very clear, the causality to me was so clear uh, that it was attitude towards outcomes, and not the other way around. And I've always reflected on that because it's so tempting to think, oh, I had a bad outcome. That's why my attitude is bad. And the Cutco job really taught me that's not Strictly speaking, the case, you know, you control a lot more with the attitude. And that was something I've always taken with. Me. What a great lesson. Any other lessons that stand out from your rep or management experience? Well, the AM thing was cool too. I, you know, we weren't, you know how it is. We're not directly managing people. Obviously, everyone's a kind of an independent force. But it was, a, that was a, a, the weekly meetings, the regular connection that you're trying to build with people. Um, and it was kind of a form of the same story where the more you invested in people, and, and tried to help them achieve their results. Um, the more you achieved your results and, and I was, a, you know, that's still true. That's my job today. That, that, that hasn't changed in, in all the time. Um, and that's my job, even for people who don't report to me. Uh, I always think about this. If there's another group, um, at, at Facebook or if there's another company out there that I want to partner with and I, I, you know, I kind of hope that maybe they can do something for me. The first thing I ask myself is, what can I do for them? Like, Hey, how can I invest in this relationship? um, and build that kind of mutual goodwill that then yields for both parties. Um, and I, being an AM was, was that job, you know, 24 seven, you know, somebody was having a downtime, you, you call them up, give them a pick me up, get them to a sandwich, get them somewhere, get them, get them into a, a better mental state. They were going to be happier. You were going to be happier. Um, so I've always felt that was a good experience for me. Yeah.
0: So after your two summers, you were back at Harvard, you graduated from Harvard, you... Got hired at Microsoft, moved to Seattle for a while, and you were liking Microsoft. But then, uh, as I understand it, you got a fateful phone call from uh, some old friends. And can you tell us about just how that went down and the
1: process of moving from Microsoft to the Facebook? I mean, I think it's a story that it will resonate with people. Uh, you know, for all the accomplishments that I you know may have thought I had built up to that point in my life. Really, uh, the, the thing that ended up being pivotal in me joining Facebook was random chance. I had been randomly assigned to be Mark Zuckerberg's uh, teaching assistant in uh, the Introduction to Artificial Intelligence course at Harvard. Um, so he was randomly put into my class. And two years later, um, he's in Palo Alto, and a recruiter says, "He says, hey, I need someone who's good at AI. And the recruiter says, do you know anyone? He's like, well, I know this one guy who taught me AI. In college. It's like, well, let's call them up. Um, and so there, you know, and it was, you know, Mark was a student of mine, but I did invest a lot of time and energy into those. That was that was the job I had during the, the school year. I did invest a lot of time in those relationships with the students that I was mentoring. I got the degree and I got all the education. It was actually the investment I put into people that paid off. Now you had to be at Harvard. So I'm not saying there's no no energy there, but I just think It was the investment I put in the people that paid off. And then one of my favorite parts of the story, and I think it's a management lesson that I've always had to take with me, uh, speaking again about relationships, was when I came down to interview at Facebook, I actually didn't expect to join because I wasn't taking it very seriously. But my family's in the Bay Area. So I thought, hey, take a free trip, see some old college classmates, see my family. Instead, was totally blown away by Mark and the vision he had here and the team he was putting together. And so I went back to Seattle. But you're right, Dan, I was very happy with my job at Microsoft. and They were taking very good care of me and I was on a fast track there. And my boss in particular had been a great mentor to me the, the year and a half that I'd been there. So I was real conflicted. And so I went to my boss and I said, hey, I told him, hey, you know, I got to tell you, I, I interviewed this place, startup up with my, some buddies of mine, and I'm kind of tempted to do it. And he's like, hey, close the door. So we close the door so we're alone. He says, you got to go. I was like, what? He's like, you got to go. He's like, this, you're young. You've got the, the time to take the risks right now. You're going to learn so much. And even if it fails, you're going to come back here and you won't have lost a step. You know, we'll bring you back in and you'll have, we'll pay you for the experience of the time that you were away. He's like, it is so good for you to take opportunities like this right now. Well, suffice it to say, I, I took him up on that, that and I've bought him a lot of steak dinners since then. Uh, uh, But Craig, Craig Dawg, but it was such a beautiful moment because he was somebody who was my manager. He had a job to do, but he was invested first and foremost in me. And I try to do that for my people. When when people come to me to this day and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing something different," I walk it through with them. And if I think that is what makes sense, that's what I tell them. You know, I I tell them right in front. I said, "My job here is not to tell you to stay. I want you to go and be happy and successful. Let's figure out together what that what that's going to look like." And uh, modeled after have my good buddy Craig Daw. Wow. I think that's such a great
0: story of a leader acting in truly the best interest of their people. And this is something that we really try to teach to people in Vector and Cutco is like, obviously we like to retain people longer than just a summer or two summers, but we realize like that's not going to happen. Most people are going to take the Vector and Cutco training and they're going to move on to other things. But for some people, you know, this is the right path. And I think a good manager helps people kind of sort through that and choose what's best for them. There's a phrase I use called "a gas" about management, which is actually give a shit. <laughs> it's like the people that actually give a shit about their people, people can tell. And you were lucky to be around somebody that had that approach and made that opportunity for you to move to Facebook easy. And obviously, the rest is history, and a lot of amazing things have happened. Well, as you look into the future, you know, five, ten years down the road, what are you most excited about?
1: I do think we're on the verge of something very exciting in terms of technology, uh, mobile phones really were amazing. If you think of the superpowers that we have with mobile phones that we didn't have before, you know, I was joking with a buddy the other day, you know, bar bets are dead. You don't have to, you don't have to get in an argument with anybody about random minutia anymore. You just look it up. Um, you know. <laughs> The ability to to contact any loved one you want kind of in real time if you need to is is just a tremendous step forward for what we're able to do as a species in terms of trying to connect to people. But it is also a phenomenally limiting device. You know, it it has all these trade offs that it makes between the attention that you're putting on the device versus the attention you're giving to people who are physically with you. Um, And I think as we move into uh, augmented reality, greater human augmentation, You get a lot of those same superpowers around information and connectivity. You actually add in even more superpowers, literal, like physical ones where, you know, you can hear better and you can see better. Um, and it doesn't have to come at the expense of so much of the in-person interaction that is the lifeblood, I think, of humans feeling meaningful, meaningfully connected to one another. Um, so I'm, I, like, as a technologist, I am very excited about where technology is going. I think it's easy in the modern day and age to be a skeptic and to be negative because, you know, we haven't grappled with uh, the internet fully yet. We haven't grappled with all the things yet. I believe those problems can be solved and I think we're all better off being more connected. Definitely. Definitely. It's great to hear, Boz.
0: Are there any of the messages you feel like you'd want to share to some young up and coming leaders to be able to achieve a lot of the same goals and same success in life that
1: you and others have achieved? Yeah. I mean, I have really two pieces of advice that I've followed that have guided me pretty well. You know, first one was, I think it's really easy to be cynical. I think it's really easy to be sarcastic. Uh, And I consider these really destructive because sarcasm is just a form of kind of negativity without any positive aspect, without any taking a positive stance, without any remediation. Um, And so... Simple things within the Cutco framework, for example, the vector framework is. If you're doing the weekly meetings, they're hype up meetings, and it's easy to sit back. And you, you're we're almost trained this way. And I think in, in middle school and in high school, to sit back and be the cool kid who like isn't participating, and there's something wrong with it. But what's interesting is if you choose not to do that, and you say, Hey, you know what? I know this is cheesy, but I'm just gonna be hype. Like I'm just gonna go for it and be a part of it. Um, you actually at least create the opportunity to learn. something. you create the opportunity to grow and better yourself. So I I do think just choosing to participate. When you have the choice not to, choosing to actually participate and try to get something out of it is, is one of the important pieces for me. And the second thing is, in my career, what I've done is I've optimized for the steep learning curve. You know, if you look at it, it wasn't a linear career. I think sometimes people want linear growth. They want to never take a step backwards in their career. They want to never take a step sideways. They want every single step to go up and to the right. And that's not really how I built my career. I always kind of joke, my career was more like uh, Daniel and, and Mr. Miyagi. I spent a lot of time waxing cars, and I spent a lot of time painting fences. And then at the end of it, people were like, Hey, how are you, Karate Master? It's like, well, yeah, you didn't want to wax the cars, and you didn't want to paint the fences. I was willing to take lateral moves or even downward steps to learn more. And what I tried to get on was the steepest learning curve. So I always felt like I was growing at the fastest rate. And, you know, kind of like through the wonders of compound interest, that gets you pretty far over a long career. Uh, Whereas maybe I could have gotten farther in one three or six month period by just doing more of what I was already good at. But that wasn't going to grow me the most over the long term.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.